0: Well, it's that time of year again, and by that, I don't mean Christmas. I mean, it's we get the whole Deep of the Weeds team across the whole network in the same room again for the first time since last time, <laughs> last year. How are you guys?
1: I am really good, Huck. It's good to be in a room with the team. It's definitely a rare occasion, but a, a really good one, and it makes it feel like, uh, yeah, the end of the year and a time for celebration.
0: I should probably introduce everyone. I'm Anthony Huckstep. That was Danny Vallant, and you're here. Shantae Whale. Well. Hi. And John Sussman. G'day. How, how's the year been?
1: <laughs>
2: Silence. John? Outstanding. No, it's been, it's been an interesting year. I mean, we've seen sort of like a semi-return to normal, but with a bit of a fist to the jaw, um, you know, certainly, <laughs> <laughs> certainly in food service, we've, we've seen, you know, behaviour like I don't think I've ever seen in my life, you know. Um, a lot of extravagant spending at the table from lobsters and wagyu to large format bottles mm. of wine and, and um, you know, I actually was in a restaurant on Tuesday about a month ago and saw a bottle of port on a table at 4 o'clock in the afternoon which wow. I hadn't seen since probably the late 80s which, uh, yeah, it's like welcome back the stripy shirts and the cufflinks in the city. That, so.
0: that sense of extravagance has taken me back a little bit. Like, I'm surprised by it in, in some ways that, for me, um, peeling things back and sort of less is more on the plate is kind of where I'm headed, and yet we're seeing... Oh no, this is
2: still just a, a lobster or a Wagyu steak at $400. Okay, right. There's no foams, powders, or frost. <laughs> it's just a simple steak, but it happens to be 400 bucks.
0: Well, there's a lot of... Um, I remember Danny talking to Callum Boys, and the interesting thing that he said was that um, you know, like seeing chicken wings with caviar and you know, like all that sort of stuff, and I'm not interested in that sort of world, but there's obviously people that are into that sort of thing, but it's yeah. just—I it,
1: think it's that real that mashup of high and low that a lot of chefs love playing with. Yeah. I think you know part of it is that some ingredients that were really exclusive and hard to find have become more accessible, which sometimes means they come down in price, not necessarily. But I think yeah, is it is there a, a kind of post-COVID, well, you know, we deserve it mentality about splashing out on these things? I mean, some of it's about availability. So lobsters, mm. you know, went down in price for a while because of the whole china thing Uh, so yeah there's a bit of a make hay while the sun shines um approach to those kinds of things as well but i think part of it has been just celebrating the simple fact of being out and about Mm. again and you know if you feel like something can be taken away from you then there is more of a tendency to really lean into the experience perhaps
0: what sort of year have you had
3: shante I've seen a lot of the inside of my house uh, (laughs) this year, and not a lot of the outside world uh, having a baby, but um, it's been a year of slowing down, for sure, and reflecting a little bit more, Um, saying, you know, making hay while the sun shines, getting blueberries for $3 a punnet when I can, and... yeah, less time cooking, a lot, time, a lot more time defrosting things that I've put in the, <laughs> in the freezer for just that moment. But it's been, um, it's been a, a special year for sure.
1: What's it like as a, as a wine person being pregnant and having a baby? Like how has that affected, I don't know, like everything from your palate to the way that wine fits into your life?
3: Yeah, it's definitely another look at it. I think that I look forward to the opportunities for a glass and I think a little bit more about how I'm going to reward myself in those moments. Um, with breastfeeding, you kind of have to kind of have, there's like a magic window that I can have within a small time frame. So I, th- I think more about what it's I'm going to It's not like have. between
1: 10 and 11 a.m. or anything
3: <laughs> Sadly, no, no, I've got to wait till the afternoon. <laughs> um, but it's been, yeah, it's been maybe just a bit more thoughtful, but um, in terms of palate, it changed a lot in the first trimester and I noticed that I just, things were a bit off. But then I actually by the third trimester, I think things were more in tune. And I actually, I was frothing on, on tasting. I just loved it. I would sit there and I was just like bouncing out of my seat trying wines because it was so fun. And I felt that I could really just hone into nuances even more. So that was a joy. Oh, that's really uh, amazing. As the father
0: of twins, and my wife will back me up, I don't think you appreciate alcohol um, more <laughs> than when you, when you have babies. Um, that sort of time in the afternoon when you pour a glass of wine—I don't—I th- I don't think it matters what wine it is. It tastes bloody good.
1: <laughs> well, there's so many mum wine memes, but maybe there needs to be some dad wine memes <laughs> <Yeah>. for you.
0: <laughs> well, it's all hands on deck when you have twins. Sure. So. <laughs> oh. John.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it, children do drive you to alcohol. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my, my my uh my younger son started as a soloist in the Berlin Ballet this year and yeah, I must amazing say that, uh my first chance to see a performance I actually dropped a glass of champagne uh, <laughs> in the, at the opera house <laughs> 10 minutes before the curtain call so it was like yeah old man you know, George's old man was a, was an ass as per usual but yeah <laughs> children do drive you to drink i think is the message
0: you you um traditionally have travelled the world for your job, you know, many times a year and COVID sort of put a pause to that, but you've been back on planes. What, what's it been like going overseas? The actual travel has been terrible.
2: I mean, you know, like the, uh, the actually, just domestically as well. I mean, every flight is seemingly jam-packed and, mm. and uh, the services on the ground are sort of far reduced because of lack of staff or whatever else is going on. Um, so the actual concept of travel has been really hard work, and it, it has been hard work, and, and you know, being overseas, I mean, I was in Italy, and um, it, it was so busy, it was just insanely busy late summer there, and, and Germany, really busy, um, been to the Middle East a couple of times, and you know, just, yeah, people just have gone mad, absolutely mad. I mean, you know, a place like Dubai is just chock-a-block, you know, I mean, and you know, it confuses me at times as to why if you've got the choice of the from travelling from Northern Europe, the Costa Brava or the Côte d'Azur, that you might head for the middle of the Muslim desert, but it's it's (laughs) chock-a-block. And they've relaxed drinking laws there now so there's a lot more Sort of fully fledged entertainment, a lot of the restaurants have moved out of the hotels into the independent world, which mm. is pretty exciting There's some, I think some of the best food i 've eaten this year has been in in the middle east and uh, wow and Saudi, of course, which is a, you know, a completely new experience, has just been completely and utterly mad i mean there the restaurants seen in the big cities of Dammam and Riyadh and Jeddah are just extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary i mean it 's a bit of a gold rush there 's sort of every branded western chef racing in there with the support of someone from the royal family um but yeah i mean so there's parts of the world that are just going crazy yeah you know we're hearing you know, market's still soft in in hong kong and of course china is is just a basket case with you know our customers up in shanghai and beijing and so forth but the states are really busy mm. um and southeast asia's absolutely frantic so yeah i look it from my personal experience yeah it 's been pretty crazy, um, but yeah, sort of one of the things that i had really reflected on is the fact that we probably don 't need to travel as much or i shouldn 't need to travel as much as yeah, i yeah wow. I previously did and, and it 's just traveling for work this year has really really reinforced to me that i don 't want to travel you know I, yeah I mean, we 've got it so good here, mm-hmm. you know our lifestyle and our food and beverage offer, and just you know Being around Australians, actually, it's not a bad bad place to be.
0: Well, I've only travelled once overseas this year and um, I got a tap on the shoulder from from Gordon Ramsay to work on a project which will see light next year and went over to London and um, it was amazing. Like, London was just... Everything was happening. It was so busy. Um, it got quieter towards the end of the week because the Queen died. I was there then, so Ooh. it was a kind of a weird time to be in London. Um, but I like the restaurants over there. Like it's been a while since I've been in London, but geez, I had some good food over there and mm. like incredible service. It's almost like the front of house is over serviced, mm. um, and that, it, it, was, really it really blew huh? me away.
2: Really interesting because you know we're hearing that there's still a shortage of staff in the UK as there is yeah. here. And I think if there's been one area that I've noticed here domestically in Australia that's really suffered, it's been the front of house. Totally, yeah. Um, You know, service standards, even at some of the finest shops, and particularly the new ones, I think is pretty bloody ordinary in Australia right now. That's the only concession that I'm making, um, because to hear you say that the service was outstanding in in London, is is, that's that's terrific.
0: Yeah, maybe I just got lucky, but I I went to some pretty good restaurants. But um, look... uh, I I just loved getting overseas again, but I actually had the same feeling that I don't necessarily need to travel for work um, I'd rather take my family because like, I want my young family to explore all these amazing cultures and cuisines in the world. And so while I was away, that's what was ticking away in the back of my head, mm. even though I was working on a project. Not like I want to get it. Like I used to be, I want to get on a plane and get over there and explore it because I love my job like that. But I would wanted, wanted to drag the family along and, and take them on a, on a trip. Um,
1: <laughs> well, you should. Like <laughs> 24 hours on a plane with those <laughs> yeah. young daughters of yours might, um, yeah, you might- Baby steps. Uh, to balance it out of it yeah
0: yeah uh, t- typical rookie host i should have said it at the top of the show we are actually in the private dining room slash barbershop of uh, red lantern and uh, we're sitting here with the legend himself mark jensen mark
4: hey how are you i'm very well i'm very well such a, a pleasure to have you all here it's amazing yeah, well, where are the scissors mate where are the scissors well <laughs> they're locked in the drawer because we're busy doing this podcast like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love about this space is, is that yeah it's a function room if you're eating at the restaurant Red Lantern but you know in, in the daytime it also functions as a barbershop yeah. there's barber chairs here there's um, things for sale it's actually quite amazing like yeah. how do you balance the two it's pretty crazy
4: yeah well my weeks are generally pretty crazy but you're right so in the barbershop here I've got some um, military and work military and workwear for sale. I've got the the scissors locked up in the drawer at the moment to keep John away from them. Otherwise, we'll all be sporting new haircuts, I think. Yeah, what was really interesting listening to John talk about lobsters earlier is is that I've actually managed to sell lobsters here in in my establishment this year. And that's always been a challenge for me. I've I've never been able to sell mug crabs or or lobster. And the other week, I had a party of 50 here here that requested lobster. So that was just awesome. That's crazy. That's good for your average spend. Absolutely. No, it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs)
1: What other kinds of things are you noticing in the restaurant, you know, whether it's like diner behaviour or, uh, yeah, whether you've had to um, re-engineer the menu to accommodate staff shortages? Like, how's it been? What is...
4: Uh, I think I've pretty much had to do, do all of those things. So I'm, I'm really happy with the menu now. I think that it's just really concise and it's a menu that we can actually service with four mm. people in the kitchen, which is good. And wow. the other thing I've noticed is that the old patterns and the rhythm of the restaurant are just totally out, out the window because um, Tuesday nights for me now are crazy. Like I, I can do, you know, the restaurant seats 80, but I can do 80 people on a Tuesday night now. whereas prior to this period of time maybe 30 to 40 was a big night and conversely Friday nights can be anything from 50 to 70 which would have been usually a traditionally everyone finishes work and goes out and has a great time so
1: do you have a read on that like why would that be happening
4: uh look at it. No, again, with my finger on the pulse operating the barbershop where people tend to <laughs> <Yeah>. overshare. Uh, <laughs> I have heard stories, again, to John, you've had a lot of wisdom today, John. Uh, <laughs> spoken a lot of wisdom. I've had people come through and talk about the um, a service, so the front of house in various restaurants, how they, they go to their favourite restaurant and they fa- they could tell that people are under pressure. Mm-hmm. And also the absolutely prepared to cut people slack because they they realise what's going on in the world but but then you can also tell that they're anxious for things to change. They, they want things to go back to where where it is seamless and there is like this really wonderful dining experience.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've definitely noticed that myself eating in restaurants a lot that you do have this feeling of almost wanting to pick up the slack for staff that are obviously very green, um, yeah. might be trying very hard but just aren't noticing things and the managers just can't be everywhere to, uh, to you know, okay, oh I mean I was in a restaurant the other night, a very good restaurant and the way to just put down all the cutlery just sort of in a little pile maybe on the left side of my plate and on my daughter's plate like I just on the right side in a little jumble and I was like wow wow like um yeah just the, the sequence of service is all off uh and it's it you you just want things to be better you understand why they're not but uh yeah it's hopefully I don't know. Hopefully next year will be a little bit different.
0: The, the the laws change or something. Don't they allow people in from February or something like that to be uh, back on working visas? And no, stuff there's that people switches. already back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but it gets extended or something from February that it's um, across the board more?
1: Uh, I'm not sure about that. I know there are working holiday visas and um, like lots of backpackers coming back in and mm. um, Uh, but I think it's that depth of experience. So you need the restaurant managers, you need the SOMs, you need, um, yeah, chefs, of course. But uh, yeah, I think perhaps people are are being employed in better restaurants at a lower skill or experience level out of necessity. Uh, And then you do have those, you know, um, people simplifying menus and simplifying the service um, experience so that those staff can, you know, just, yeah make things hopefully a smooth experience for guests but i think also i don't need a long menu but i think i am there is a bit of a dumbing down in menus that i would like to um see just a little bit more difference and complexity coming back
2: and where do you eat on a monday night like, it just seems so many restaurants have just gone, look, we can't do yeah, six, seven services. We're, we're,
1: yeah, just, which, so, yeah, like I respect Monday, that. Yeah, That's I, good. Yeah, yeah
2: like, I, I, absolutely. But I mean, it just, it, it also means that, you know, there's, you know, there's sort of a, almost this, sort of back to the 80s sort of feel where you know that's what it was then i mean uh, yeah. most of the rest most of the fine dining in sydney didn't open on sunday or monday
1: yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. that's why tuesdays are so busy
4: Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, but that actually just reminded me of another trend that's happening is that people are dining early like right. everybody yeah. wants a six o'clock booking and then 8 30 there's barely a soul in the restaurant wow. and that that is that is a big change yeah. for us yeah. yeah lack of that, places well, to go. Music, that is right in the pocket of my vendors. family is it? Six o'clock dinner. <laughs> when well, you've got
0: twin four year olds, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. right on the money.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think people have definitely become used to not being able to just, you know, routinely make a 7 30 booking. So I think we diners have been trained a little bit into the realities of turning tables for restaurants. Um, and yeah, which is, I think, a good thing. And I don't mind an early sitting either.
3: I'd really like to see um, some of the establishments start looking at what the root cause is of why we are. You know, kind of looking at to rely on these uh, ho- working holiday visas and start looking at how we turn around the perception of managers and, and wait staff and get people involved and give them the respect they deserve. Because I think really we need to be training from within right now and not looking to how we solve the problem from the outside world. Mm. And so I really think it's time to, like you said, perhaps either change the menu, change services, look at who you've got and what you can do with them. And then maybe look at how the business can change rather than just kind of going when is this going to change
2: i think that's a really good point Shantae. i mean one of the things that i've personally found out as a as a diner is that a lot of senior staff that have been in management positions in in restaurants around the country for a long time are being found out to actually not have great skills themselves and so there's this you know inherent lack of stewardship or mentorship Mm. on the floor in particular um, you know, I've been staggered actually, some of the, some of the senior weight staff or senior management in restaurants that are now finding themselves in that operational weight position yes. that actually aren't technically very good. And it's kind of like, wow, how did that happen? You know, these guys have been, I've been looking at these guys being managers for 10 years and I didn't realise they were actually shit waiters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think conversely there has been,
1: I've noticed some of those people being amazing and, yeah, yeah, you, th- yeah, and yeah. you think, wow, like they haven't had to be on the tools uh, for mm. a while, but it is actually amazing to have that not, maybe it's not so much the technical skills like, a, I don't know, filleting a fish or whatever it is at the table, but it's um, just that depth of knowledge and putting things in context. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking
2: more things that are sort of even sort of more base service levels like they just don't have, have roving eyes. I mean, you see mm. so many management that are walking through restaurants not looking at yeah. clearing a table. I mean, you know, look, mm. when I was student waiter of the year in the <laughs> <own> industry, <laughs> <laughs> would never have cut the mustard. <laughs> right? so, well,
4: that, look, that's so true because like, I'm really fortunate to here to have Adam Towers who a lot yeah. of people know. Like he is... Yeah. He is just so amazing, but he's got those ro- like roving eyes. You know, what I mean, he can train people as well. And I've heard as well, anecdotally, that like train the really people with the, all the experience have left the industry. So if the trainers have left, the people with the with the skills yeah. have left the industry. Who's training the people mm. coming up below them?
3: Yeah, it's so true, hundred percent. And I think we should do it in a way that's celebrating. So I would really like, and this is shout out to like Gianluca or someone like Adam Stoddard or. Uh, Michael Stoddard, sorry. Let's bring back the waiter race that we used to do back in the day where you'd have like a tray and you'd have to, you know, run up and down. And let's do that in a way where we start talking about people Mm. in management and we we get people together and get, you know – general managers and restaurant managers on the floor and talk about, you know, how, how can we can build that up? I think that that is something that we should all really kind of be looking forward to, hopefully improving.
0: Well, it's been a big year and it feels like everything's sort of back on on track and we're finding our way through. Are there things, Danny, you're in a lot of restaurants. Is there things that you'd like to see the back of this year just in, in life or in food?
1: <laughs> in life or <aren't>
0: food,
1: <laughs> big question. Uh, I mean, I know uh, I have probably had enough kingfish hard for a while (laughs) i know it's a great product and you can do yeah i've also had some great iterations of it but i'd probably like to see um, chefs perhaps being more creative with the crudo side of things um what else i don't want to i want to see more um, people getting excited about different sparkling wines, so I guess we've seen oh, yeah. a lot of pet nat coming through. But I'm, you know, love seeing um, excitement about that, especially some of the local options. I think that's yeah something I'd like to see more of. Um, well, yeah, what else? I don't know. Uh, I think that's sort of some of the high low, like the the caviar on the chicken yeah, wings. the excessive. I mean, have is we have we done lot. with that? Like, yeah. is it time to just yeah get back to like the simple and the the perfect, like the beautiful? So I think so many restaurants and Chefs are highlighting or really honoring great piece of produce uh, so yeah the more of that the better I reckon
0: yeah how, how do you John you're in a lot of restaurants as well and so many restaurants move to set menus and to survive which is fair enough but how do you, how do you feel about that are you seeing a shift back or and, and that dining experience of, of that tasting menu
2: yeah look I think um, there's a fine line isn't there between it being sort of this sort of almost gratuitous foisting of food or design of a style of a restaurant by the chef on on a on a consumer and yeah. you know, the opportunity to explore their, their craft skills. Personally I, I I'm not a fan. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, the Omakase thing has exploded yeah, totally. in this last year. Um, where it's kind of almost taken over, seemingly taken over from from the degustation of the Western chefs. Yeah. Um, you know these extraordinary, highly priced sort of twenty pieces of of you know, sushi or whatever. I, I think that there's um, an interesting point in that we haven't had, a, we haven't been able to travel. Those who wanted that proper experience couldn't get to Japan. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that's going to sort of we're going to see that disappear somewhat because of the reopening of of the Japanese borders, and if you want to have the real thing, and you're paying now paying Tokyo prices for some of these onikasai's as well. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not going to be negative, but I just don't. You know, the experience in in at that level in Tokyo or in, in you know, Nagoya or Saka or Kyoto. Um, yeah, yeah, It's a different experience. Um, and I think that there is, you know, there's, it's a fine line between making life easy for the operator and not giving the customer something that, you know, that they want to enjoy. I, when we were just considering, you know, what do we want to see the back of for 2022? For I'd, I'd be quite happy to see the back of those sort of set menus, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, a range of operators have just, quite frankly, taken the piss and um, used yeah. it as a use it as a means to just sort of like get a much higher ticket um, without necessarily delivering. And you know, my for me as well, the whole concept of dining is very different from the concept of going to Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> so, and and but if I'm allowed to say the other the other thing that I'm ha- really happy to see the back of in 2022 is Pet Nat. The sooner that I see that go down, go down <laughs> yeah. the drain, the better. All right, shovel it
1: my
3: way. <laughs> Shante. What, what about you? What do you want to see the back of? Uh, bad corks. Mm. Still to this day, do we see some incredible juice that, again, goes down the drain because of just faulty corks. We've got a lot of wonderful options now with Diarm's and Stelvin. So, yep, I could definitely see the back end of that. And... Probably faulty wines, So I think that that comes a little bit off what um, so, so I was just saying is, you know, pet nat, you know, you have to be um, a bit of a genius in when you decide to bottle that and to avoid some of those kind of faulty wines. So um, we're seeing we're seeing an improvement hugely. But for a while there, we were seeing a lot of faulty wines being bottled and, and people were unsure whether or not it was supposed to be like that and whether they were supposed to like it exactly. or not. Exactly,
2: my mm. point. You know, and I, I sort of felt this absolute sort of, complete confusion as a consumer as to whether or not I was just missing the point or whether it was this lack of balance was what was being designed you know yeah. it's like and that but I think again you know like we've we've sort of almost I'd like to see the back of faults in everything Yeah. You know food yeah. as well I mean <laughs> that gratuitous use of you know caviar on chicken wings or yeah, yeah. or Truffles it's, on Big Macs or whatever, you know, like that's just bullshit. And like the yeah, sooner that it's th- painful, out of the popular culture, the better. <laughs> yeah.
0: you know? well, well, what about the good things though? What, what's some of the do you highlights? You how I really
2: feel. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to steer away from it quickly before you got in trouble. Um, some of the highlights or the best dish or meal that um, you've had of the year, because you know most of us eat in restaurants quite a bit. Um, Mark, do you have do you have a best experience that you've had or a highlight?
4: Uh, look, uh I've, I struggle to think of this single best, <laughs> best experience, to tell you the truth, because I, I think I fall into that category where I, I actually don't get out a lot. <laughs> You're <laughs> delivering the experience. I'm delivering the experience. And it's, I guess, the thing that I would like to see the end of is um, uh, people come to, I guess. People have preconceived expectations and they're not as adventurous. Like They are in certain restaurants. It depends where where you're pitching your restaurant, right? So they'll go to certain places and they expect a new experience and they'll expect something interesting. But a lot of other places, they'll come and they'll expect they'll expect the kingfish capaccio because they won't try another fish yeah. so that that's yeah. that's the sure. double-edged sword sure. you know what i mean so the chef might want to put on i yeah. know some alfonsino or something and, yeah. and do that but then the then the customer will say what is that so I, i'd like <laughs> like the customer to go in and say look i'm here for the experience Sure, you know yeah. and and rather than like because they they do go to that that feed me or that tasting menu for security whereas I think a feed me menu should be look I'm the customer I've arrived at the restaurant feed me
1: yeah trust Chef. me like yeah. to trust put, to put your, put what your trust in the restaurant yes exactly yeah I mean I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of the tasting menu for the restaurant to be able to express itself and perhaps sneak in a couple of those dishes that customers wouldn't necessarily order but can fall in love with as part of that experience mm-hmm. uh, and yeah if I think about some of the best meals I've had it's been that I mean it's such a relief for me as a as a restaurant critic to not have to choose dishes as well so and I'm not saying I want the 12 and 13 course menu like more than occasionally but I think so many restaurants are doing like the you know the three course or the four course and maybe you get a choice of mains and I I actually really appreciate I appreciate that because I know that they're trying to control the spend and the stock and all that and I'm very I'm yeah attuned to that but I think also it can be a really nice way to highlight seasonal produce or to um, yeah nothing
2: stopping them from doing that on their menu and there's nothing stopping a weight you know trained skilled weight staff to sell that table side either
1: but we, mm. but we know about these trained skilled weight staff they're all in <laughs> London apparently <laughs> yeah, <they are. laughs>
2: <laughs> so you're saying we can just buy a lottery ticket, and at at, walk into a restaurant, and keep our fingers crossed? Is that the,
1: absolutely? Is that, I mean, yeah. you're okay. not really. I mean, you can choose your restaurant though. You still don't. Yeah. You don't have to go to those places. There are plenty mm. of restaurants that are doing à la carte. Uh, but I don't know. I think of a little restaurant in Richmond, in Melbourne, called um, Lenny L E N E, and it's a it's a almost a solo operation. So a young chef striking out on his own, found a good you know COVID deal on rent, and is doing. I mean, it's a small. A small a la carte menu, very very small, very tight, and it's um, yeah. I just think you'd really get a, the chance to see somebody expressing themselves, and I think that's so much what I want from a restaurant at the moment. It's to it's um, yeah, just to really feel like I'm on. I, someone's taking me on a journey that hopefully is really pleasant. So I don't know. I just feel like there's less of me wanting to impose my um, abstract desires on the on the meal on, on the on the Wednesday night. And I'm just pretty up for the journey.
2: Okay. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I don't not accept it. I just think mm. that there's you know there's two different. I mean, that's a you know that's one style of of operation. I think it'd be yeah. pretty, almost you know, it'd be hard to attract a broad you know customer base of you know like pot I, I think that's, that's a pretty big ask of the consumer.
1: Yeah, I agree. Of, uh, well, I suppose there's always, I mean, we're never gonna lose a la carte restaurants, mm. which I, I mean, I'm into that as well. It's great to just go somewhere for a bowl of pasta. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, luckily we can have all things. Yeah,
4: well, I, I guess it's restaurants like, we've been in business now for 20 years, and there's things that we just have to have on the menu. Because people, there's, there's a bit of bit of certainty about a restaurant that's been sure. around that long where they know they can come and get, say, salt and pepper squid, for example, or they can mm. come and get our wok beef. So it doesn't leave us much scope to really work around that. Mm. But I really get that. And that's why it's so much fun with the young chefs and new businesses, because they're, they're finding their feet. Mm. And that's where the excitement is, I think.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we have the restaurants to do it all, don't we? And that's what's so lucky. It's not that we have to have one restaurant that does it all. You yeah. can pick and choose. And, I think it's a good point. And, yeah. and we, that's why we're fortunate, talking about why we're so lucky to be in Australia. We've yeah, yeah. got it all.
0: I've had a couple of good highlights this year, but I, probably my favourite thing is what's going on in Canberra at the moment. We moved there a couple of years ago, and the evolution of the food scene there is um, happening quite fast, but it's also happening in a, in a manner that I quite like. In, in the sense that um, there's no egos involved, there's no um, Cirque du Soleil. Um, all, in,
2: uh, all at Parliament House, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um,
0: but there's some really good um, wine bars and eateries that are really approachable and celebrating the region. And it's kind of quite nice to be part of that, within that evolution. Mm. It's kind of really quite exciting.
1: Well, can you name names? Like what's a favorite food experience of the year?
0: Oh, well, geez, that's tough. Well, the, I mean, there's places like Paranormal Wines um, doing, you know, great sort of shared food and um, really, really great sort of wine list. There's Rebel Rebel, there's the boys at EXO. There's um, there's a whole sort of Miss Fans as well comes to mind, a sort of modern Vietnamese. Um, yeah, there's all these sort of, it's like a young energy, you know, it's, 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 People that grew up in Canberra went and cut their teeth and they've come back and, and they've obtained the skills by working in some of Australia's best restaurants, but they're bringing it to Canberra, mm. which is kind of pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, really exciting.
0: What
3: Have you about- got a, a favourite food experience, Shante? Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose I've been... Um, I actually got, someone bought me a gift voucher the other day to the Dinner Ladies, which is a catering business that drops off kind of frozen meals. And they've been pretty amazing. And, and for somebody who loves to cook, I, I can spend four hours cooking and prepping a meal and not having that time. Having something that you can pull out of the freezer that's super tasty is such a delight. So that was pretty cool. And and I did get some um, lobster when, when we talked about when it was a bit more affordable <laughs> from um, from lobfish, which is down my way as well. Some guys, uh, some divers from Wambara that come and and to just get the local and they do one fish and they do lobster and, you know, it, it's whatever size and you kind of can't pick and choose what you get. It's kind of what they get on the day, but they're a couple of local guys and then that was pretty – that was felt yeah. pretty indulgent.
1: Love that. Yeah, I've definitely um, – I think COVID trained me to uh, – buy ready meals from restaurants or other quality providers and I'm still doing that so yeah Al Dente which has a great restaurant in Melbourne um, but also does take like delivers pasta to your door so just to have some excellent cacio e pepe ravioli or something Mm. is um very, very exciting, and they actually—they're yeah, lobster ravioli as well, which has been an absolute treat to have something of such good quality in your freezer that you can just whip out for a Wednesday night for the for the family. It's very—it's yeah, I really, I'm all about that.
0: Well, it is Christmas this week, and we haven't talked about it yet. What's uh, what's everyone doing, John? What are you what are you up to for Christmas?
2: <laughs> it's probably four thousand light beers and a burnt turkey is every year. <laughs> No. oh it's the spirit of christmas you do not do turkey no oh, we don't, we don't. <laughs> i mean that's what my in-laws would love to do but you know um no it'll be the usual the usual spread of you know whatever's left in the cool room on uh, christmas Eve. <laughs> that's so true hopefully if i've stolen some oysters and tucked them away and some and possibly some, <laughs> some lobster, but, you know, probably a few prawns and mm. maybe a bit of fish and, you know, there's um,
0: – yeah – I'm, I'm definitely heading down that path as well. I normally do a big porchetta and um, poach a fish, poach some prawns, but I'm I'm actually going to peel it back a bit this year and do peel sort the of prawns back. Yeah, peel the prawns. We're going to peel the prawns, uh, peel potatoes. <laughs> peel back. peel, <laughs> shake my back. Um, <laughs> and I'll be appealing um, <laughs> for once. Um, I'm just going to do quite a few salads actually, and and sort of lean into the stone fruits if they're kind of good enough. Yes. And um, do some salads that way, and and i I'm just going to do a little bit of seafood. I'm going to pull back and not have any sort of meat as such. Mm. Um, Yeah, and just keep it nice and light and simple Mm. because I think sometimes you feel like you have to overdo it and then by three o'clock you just want to nap and... I kind of want to take that out of the day a bit it's really? good to it's, well it's good well, no nap Christmas I'm
1: going to check you, with you you don't yeah. get the
0: nap when you have four year old <laughs> <laughs> you just want the nap right yeah. definitely
1: <laughs> what about you Mark are you, are you open for Christmas
4: uh, I'm open Christmas Eve so we'll, we'll wrap up and, and I'll be taking advantage of you know whatever's in the cool room for Christmas <laughs> Day but we'll get to, we'll get together with friends and it'll just be really simple so yeah. it's like it's, it's interesting that you know for 20 years I've had this restaurant in the 28 years I've been cooking I think this is a really busy time for people in the, in the industry yeah. so Christmas Day is like you want it to be mm. as simple as possible so so it will be salads it'll we'll be peeling prawns and mm. and oysters if you know if we can get my hands on some good ones and yeah just really light things
1: yeah nice well I always do a ham at our family mm. Christmas uh, so I've just ordered my ham from Gary's Meats at Paran market so they always do such an amazing job and I will be glazing it with a spice peach and mango chutney that I make mm. um, and I'm just as excited about taking some ham sandwiches to the cricket on the second oh, second oh, day of nice. the test
2: <laughs> nice. as I am
3: about the Christmas Day experience.
2: <laughs> awesome.
3: Um, I'm going to do F all, if I can help it, this Christmas. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to leave it to everybody else. We've got two different days. But I am going to do a, a cheese course this year. And I said, rather than an abundance of cheeses, again, there's so much waste at Christmas, I think. Mm. I'm going to just do one cheese. Got some truffles from Kalimba and thought, you know, I'm just going to do nice triple cream, cut it in half, shove some truffle in the middle and just serve mm. it with some nice bread. But rather Yum. than have every single different type yep. of cheese and then that's all I'm doing. <laughs> Love yes, it.
0: Sounds amazing. Well, um, it's been amazing to catch up with everyone. And thank you, Mark, for letting us uh, enjoy Red Lantern at the back here. And um, we should have got a haircut already. Yeah, I here.
4: know, I know. We'll tear that up next time. But, yeah, <laughs> again, a pleasure to have you here. Thank well, you. Well, Danny, Shante,
0: so John and quiet Rob in the background lurking. Um, have a great Christmas, everyone. Thank you for everything that you do. You're legends. And i uh, catch Anthony. you next year. Hey, hey.